want to uh, dismiss Bridge Kids just as we begin to talk about the Gospel of Mark this morning, the Gospel of Action, today Mission Failure. And uh, as we get started, I'd like to start today with the modern day version of spiritual warfare. So I know we're changing gears and I know your heart's pretty tender. Pay attention. We're going to watch a video clip. This is Modern Day Spiritual Warfare. It's a Super Bowl ad, by the way. Nice car. Sure is. Make a deal with me, kid. You can have the car and everything that goes along with it. September, set your soul free. The seductive CLA, starting under $30,000 from Mercedes-Benz. Gee, what was that all about? So here we have a man sitting in a restaurant, and uh, he notices this billboard that has this Mercedes outside. And uh, just then, an unusual character dressed in black appears at his table and offers him the deal Uh, If he will just give his life and take this gold pen and sign his life away, he can have the car and everything that goes with it. Make a deal with me, kid, he said, and you can have the car and everything with it. Next, young man imagines what this would be like to have the car and everything in it. And uh, after he processes all of this, you know, get a fast car, gorgeous women, and fame, wouldn't that be cool? They sit in the restaurant, and then the tempter, this devilish-like character, uh, says, so what do you say? And he holds up the pen, and uh, waiting for the young man to sign. And then that's he looks out the window. The young man looks out the window, and he sees the Mercedes, and there's the price, 29900 That's going to change everything. He looks down at the contract, 29900 He says, thanks, but I think I've got this. Now, isn't that, that's a cool story. That's a cool Super Bowl ad. But it's a very wrong message when it comes to spiritual warfare. Thanks, I got this. Jesus faced a temptation, one of the greatest temptations of his life, and he prayed. The disciples 
face one of the greatest temptations of their life, and they try to handle it in their own strength. And that's what our passage is about today. And um, we're in uh, Mark chapter 14. We're going to be looking at verses 27 through 52. And I've entitled this message, Mission Failure. Now, you may wonder, well, why did you pick that? Well, Jesus' mission didn't fail. That's true. But on this occasion, the disciples fail their mission. They fail big time. The disciples' failure is predicted in verses 27 through 31. And uh, let me just remind us of the context of our passage tonight, uh, or this morning, Mark chapter 14. It happened at night, so I'm getting, getting, my, I'm getting confused. Verse 26, chapter 14. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. You see, they'd been with Jesus. This is Thursday night. It's the last week of Jesus' life. He's going to be dead on Friday afternoon. This is Thursday night. And they've been together in the upper room with Jesus, and they've shared their last meal together, the last supper. They've had a time of communion, and now they have left, and they're on their way to the Mount of Olives. And then we come to verse 27. Jesus makes a prediction. You will all fall away, Jesus told them, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. So he makes a prediction and he says, all of you guys, you're going to fall away. And then he quotes Zechariah 13, 7. Now Zechariah writes around 480 BC and it says, I, I, this is God the Father speaking through the prophet Isaiah. I will strike the shepherd. Who is the shepherd? Well, it's Jesus. I will strike the shepherd. I, God the Father, will put Jesus to death, and the sheep will be scattered. Who are the sheep? Well, they're the disciples. They're going to be scattered. And and so Jesus quotes this prophecy, and it's going to be fulfilled. That's what he's saying. You're all going to fall away. And as we learned early in the service in John 10, 11, what do you got? I am the good shepherd. That's what Jesus said. He's the shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Verse 28, Jesus gives a promise. He says, but, I have, but after I have risen, I will go ahead to you into Galilee. So, Now comes a very, 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 very important promise that Jesus makes here. After I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. However, nobody hears it. Nobody hears or pays attention or values what Jesus has just said. The promise is, after God the Father strikes the shepherd and puts the Son to death... There is a plan in place where Jesus will go ahead of his disciples onto Galilee. You remember Galilee? That's that's the home base. That's the home field. That's where they hang out. That's where they grew up. That's where they did ministry. Uh, They they hung out at the North Shore. um, At Capernaum. That was headquarters. And uh, he says, God's going to strike the shepherd. But guess what? There's going to be a resurrection on the third day. Remember that, guys? On the third day. How many times did he say that in the book of Mark? On the third day, I will rise again. And he's going to go ahead. 
Peter is not paying attention. Peter has a protest, verse 29. Peter declared, even if all fall away, I will not. This is about Peter. This is about Peter's reputation. Peter is agitated. Jesus is wrong. What is he thinking? Why would Jesus say this? Uh, Jesus doesn't really know about the quality of commitment that I have. He doesn't know me as an individual. At least that's what Peter thinks. The prediction in verse 30, truly I tell you, Jesus answered, today, yes, Peter, you, today, tonight, before the rooster crows, uh, crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. Get this, Peter? Three times you're going to disown me. So, Peter, you got this big commitment? Here's what I'm saying to you. I think you're going to disown me three times tonight. Protest, verse 31. But Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, Jesus, I will never disown you. And all the, all the others said the same. Pete, Jesus, you're wrong again. I'll show you. Thanks, but I think I got this, Jesus. Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And Peter, the leader, brings the pack along, and they, they all agree. I won't do it. All say the same thing. By the way, have you ever made a commitment when you are deeply moved by your emotions and not followed through? So Jesus predicted the disciples' failure, and now it unfolds in verses 32 through 42, the disciples' failure with temptation. And we start with the distress of Jesus in verses 32 through 34. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. Gethsemane is um, a place on the Mount of Olives. Mount of Olives is just outside of Jerusalem, just outside the gates, very close. The Mount of Olives... um, Gethsemane, is a, it's, the name refers to a press that crushes olives. And so there was an olive press there at the garden. And uh, this is an enclosed area with olive trees. And uh, this was a place that they used to hang out together when they went to Jerusalem. They never stayed overnight in Jerusalem. They went out and camped out often in this area. Or they went to Bethany. Verse uh, 33, so he gives the instructions to all the disciples. There's 11. Judas is not with them. Verse 33, he took Peter, James, and John, so he takes three. And this is a group that he poured his life into more. He spent extra time with these guys. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. Um, Some of you have experienced deep, deep emotional pain. Some of you haven't. Jesus is carrying the biggest weight, deeply distressed and troubled. He's overwhelmed with sorrow. You know, and Peter's just saying, I'm not going to let you down. And Jesus knows what's coming. God is going to strike the shepherd he, know, he knows suffering is coming. Pain is coming. And, and um, he knows that 
he is going to face a time when he's separated from God, where all of his strength lies. This relationship is going to be cut off. He says in verse 34, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. It's the weight of the coming cross, the intense suffering and death, the separation from the Father. It's just emotionally overwhelming. He experiences intense anxiety. Experiencing anxiety is not sin. It's, It's an emotion. If you stay there, if that paralyzes you and you do nothing, you got a problem. But it's an emotion. And he is carrying an immense weight. And it's causing unbelievable anxiety. And Jesus defaults into prayer, which is a pretty good way to go. This is what the Apostle Paul taught. Don't be anxious for nothing, but by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So Jesus doesn't know... It hasn't been written yet. And so, but this is what Jesus does. And you're going to see a fantastic example of how to deal with life and difficulty right here in the, in the life of Jesus Christ. Peter will learn this. He doesn't get it on this night. Peter will learn this, 1 Peter 5, 7. Cast all your care on him, for he cares for you. Cast all your anxiety on God, because God cares for you. We see the prayer in verses 35 and 36. Going a little farther, he fell on the ground, Jesus, and he prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. His prayer is, God, I pray that this will just go on by and I won't have to engage with it. I would like to not experience this. Please pass over me. Verse 36, Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you, God. This is good theology. This is practical theology for life. He goes to the Father. He uses the term, Abba, Father. And a lot of you know it's an intimate term. It's, it's, refer, it's a family term. It's children, the way they talk to Dad. Dad, you know me. You're my Father. I love you. You love me. I know that. I need your help. By the way, the Jewish people would not use this term, Abba, because it was too intimate. It wasn't appropriate for them. Jesus used it all the time. Abba, Father, everything is possible. You, God, are the almighty God. You are all-powerful. You have the resources and the ability to change everything. You can change this. You can take away this pain and this suffering. And then he says it, take this cup from me. He asks, nothing wrong with that. Take the cross away. Nothing wrong with asking. The cup is is kind of a way of talking about the judgment of God that's going to be poured out at the cross. God's wrath to judge sin on the person of Jesus It's going to be intense suffering. It's coming on Jesus, and he knows it, and he prays, and he asks, take this cup from me. And then here's what he says. This is what we need to learn. Yet not what I will, but what you will. 
And Jesus brings himself into total alignment with the Father. God, this is what I like. This is what I'm asking for. Seems best to me right this minute. But I submit to you what you will, not what I want, not just my desire right now, but ultimately, and this is the Lord's Prayer, isn't it? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That's what Jesus told us to pray for. For the Father's will to be done on earth. That's exactly what Jesus prays. So in Jesus' humanity, he felt deep emotional pain. This is foreboding, heavy weight. If possible, but the hour might pass from him. Disappointment, verses 37 through 42. Jesus is a bit disappointed here. Verses 37 and 38, we see the disciples sleeping on the job. And the failure begins. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, Simon, you're the one who's going to be more committed than all the other disciples. Are you asleep? Yep. Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Because that's about how long Jesus has been away praying. Jesus would have been praying out loud, by the way. And so Jesus says, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Jesus is asking his disciples to hang in there, to stay alert, to be praying with him, to be on the alert because something's going to be happening shortly. Watch, be ready, pray that you won't fall into temptation. Verses 39 and 40, still sleeping on the job. Once more, he went and prayed. The same thing. See, Jesus just prayed. He kept asking the same thing. Father, take this cup. Please remove this. This has been over an hour now. He had asked the disciples to watch and pray. They sleep. This time, they don't know what to say. No excuses. When he came back, he found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. You know, Peter always had these quick comebacks and correcting Jesus, and nobody speaks. They are totally embarrassed. They have failed. Verses 41 and 42, but it gets worse, sleeping on the job again. Returning the third time, he said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Guess what? He says, enough. Enough sleep, guys. The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. My prayer is now answered. Now we have the Father's will. And Jesus gets up and he walks right into it. He doesn't try to escape his captors. He says, rise up. Here they are. And he walks right to them. Verses 43 through 52, the disciples' failure in, desert, in desertion. The disciples' failure. He's betrayed, verse 43. Just as he was speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, appears, appeared, and with him was a crowd of armed, uh, uh, with a crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders. The Sanhedrin. The Jewish leaders, the elders, the chief priests, 
the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, um, they have ordered this group, which would have included Roman soldiers and temple police and interested parties, Roman soldiers carrying swords. They were Gentiles, temple police. They were Jewish, and they were carrying the clubs. Verse 44, now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. Now think about this. The disciples are failing miserably. This is the 12th disciple. He is betraying Jesus. The betrayer had arranged a signal with them. This one, I kiss, is the man, and arrest him and lead him away under guard. Going at once uh, to Jesus, Judas said, Rabbi, and kissed him. So it was common to greet your rabbi, if you were a student or disciple, to greet with a kiss. It was, it was a way to honor your rabbi. But this is not about honoring, it's about deceit. It's, my real intentions are not to honor you, Jesus. My real intentions are to turn you over so you can be executed. And I'm going to get a few bucks out of the deal. That's what's going on. The men seized Jesus and arrested him. Then one of those standing near drew his sword and struck the servant and the high priest, cutting off his ear. Jesus did not put up a protest. Uh, John describes the scene in this way, John 18. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, so John is going to tell us who the one was who picked up the sword. He drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus, so John tells us the name of the servant. Jesus commanded Peter, put your sword away. Shall not, shall not I drink the cup the Father has given me? Peter, this is not the time. Wrong time, wrong action. You know, Peter is trying to make up for his sleepiness. And he's a little out of touch with his approach. And uh, that's dangerous when you're trying to handle a difficult situation in your own strength. Um, uh, Peter, you know, didn't really have it, did he? He didn't, now I got this. It wasn't Peter. Verses uh, 48 through 52, Jesus is deserted. Now Jesus makes a protest. Verse 48, am I leading a rebellion, said Jesus, that you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I was with you teaching in the temple courts, And you did not arrest me. Here's the deal. Why did they come out at night? Why did they come out in private when the world can't see what's going on? Why did they come with such a large group of armed people to gather this ragtag group without weapons? There were two swords in the group, apparently. But they they brought out this force against this small group. And he says, you know, I was with you every day. I've I've been at the temple each day in Jerusalem. It's public. If I was doing something wrong, why didn't you come and tell me then? Why didn't you arrest me? Why come now? And then it says, but the scriptures must be fulfilled. Zechariah 13, 7, must be fulfilled. I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. Because that's what's going to happen right now. The scriptures must be fulfilled. The Father's will will be done. Verse 50, then everyone deserted him and fled. Mission failure. Everyone deserted Jesus. He is alone. He's been betrayed. All 12 
are gone. And then we have verse 51. A young man wearing nothing but a linen garment was following Jesus. And when they seized him, he fled naked, leaving his garments behind. Why would anybody put that in the text? It's not one of the 12. But there was a young man. Word is used for men aged 24 to 40. There was a young man present. How did he get there? We don't know. What's his name? We don't know. But he was seized, apparently, by the arresting party. And when they grabbed his garment, he had no more clothes, and he ran off. And even this guy deserts Jesus, who was watching. Um, Tradition says it's probably John Mark, and that's exactly who it may be. Why else would this get put in the text, other than Mark wants everybody to know he was a witness? Peter knows uh, what's happening here. It may well have been. John Mark uh, came from a well-to-do family. We know in Acts 12, 12 that the church meant in John Mark's home in Jerusalem that believers gathered there for prayer. It was an important place. And it may well be that the upper room where they had communion was in John Mark's home. We don't know that for sure. But what could have happened is that Mark found out that the uh, perhaps people came to the house where they had the Last Supper before they went out to arrest Jesus. And um, Mark maybe had gone out to warn. He is already in bed. He'd taken off his outer garment. And he goes out and he runs out in the dark. And he only has one garment instead of two garments on. And he loses it. And anyway, the point of it is, even he escaped uh, Jesus But the scriptures must be fulfilled. One of those scriptures would have been Isaiah 53. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. Verse 8, by oppression and judgment he was taken away. We're just going to leave it right there. All of Isaiah 53 is going to get fulfilled in the next few hours. So... Everyone had deserted Jesus. Judas had betrayed him. Peter uh, and the rest of the disciples had failed Jesus in this crisis of prayer. Can you imagine the most significant time in the life of Jesus, your mentor? And he says, guys, this is, I'm going through a really difficult time here. I need you to be around me. I need you to pray. I need you to watch. I need you to be with me. Um, and they all fall away. From a worldly perspective, the mission has failed big time. Jesus came to make disciples, and where are they? Now he's alone. The disciples have deserted him. The rest of the story is God is in control, and that all things work together for good for those who love him. That is true. We leave our story in a dark time. It's not the end. Because all things work together for good for those who love him. God is in control. He is in control of this situation. And he, has, he will strike the shepherd. And he has scattered the sheep. But that's not the end. And the last thing I just want to say is remember... When you face spiritual warfare, don't say, thanks, I've got this. We so often try to solve problems in our own strength, and we can't do it. 
Let's stand and pray. Father, as we uh, look back on that night when Jesus was arrested, it's a, it's a sad time, it's a depressing time, it's a discouraging time in many ways, and yet you are in control, and that evil men are not in control. And we're grateful for what you accomplished through the cross. God, may we learn to have our default action be prayer as we face difficult times. May we learn to submit to your will and not our will. May we yield our lives to the power of the Holy Spirit when we face temptation. Thank you for the cross. In Jesus' name, amen.